Welcome once again to Oakwood Connect. This is Pastor Ariel along with Elder John Tromley. And we're going to continue on the Sermon on the Mount. And today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 24. And we're going to be talking about treasure. What is a true value in our lives? Brother John, you're becoming like a smooth operator with the equipment now. You're looking. Like, it's like having a board all over again, but there's just like three buttons is the only difference. I used to stare at that big board and wonder what everything else did, and now they've just condensed it all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it did something. Uh, well, we'll, we'll can start figuring out how to, have more, how to have more buttons and just press them, see what happens. <laughs> Get adventurous with this podcast. Uh, but anyways, it's so good to be able to sit with you again and uh, study the Bible together as brothers and invite others to join in in the conversation. Um, as I said in the intro, we're going to be looking at Matthew 6, 19-24. And, uh, hey, Brother John, could you read for us so sure. that we could get our minds familiar with the text? Yes, it's so Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19, and again we're going through 24. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either we will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So there's a, a lot here, there is. and as we were preparing ourselves to dive in, uh, we, we were going to caution you, this may end up being a two-part. Uh, yeah, because there is a lot. Not only is there a lot, but there's, it's also the, it's some of those verses that really kind of cut to our hearts, Yeah, too. There, there's a lot there. There is. So, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to begin with storing up for ourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust uh, destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Mm -hmm. um, treasure. Mm. Um, John, what are some of the things that you feel become treasure for us here? Well, you know, we, you know, again, we were talking before this, and I think really right away we go to money, mm -hmm. and and it does make sense too because of the way that the where we end in verse twenty four, and that is definitely a huge part of it. But there are other things that we can make our our treasure or our idol, right? Because um, that's ultimately what Jesus is looking at here, um, and so we have we have the things that we, I'll say, waste, quote unquote, waste our times with our time with. Um, but there's also, but I don't want to also lose this this idea of of uh, the treasure being something financial or, or our monies. You know, material aspects definitely govern. I mean, right now we we are waiting for Amazon Prime Day. I mean, for those that are into the techie stuff, mm -hmm. uh, in a couple of months, before we know it, it will be Thanksgiving. Right. We know that Thanksgiving now is nothing about being thanks, but about what I want to buy on Black Friday or Black Thursday and Wednesday. Right, <laughs> right. So even that that expansion of that one quote-unquote holiday. Um, <laughs> holiday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That, that speaks about treasure, right? Mm -hmm. People will be willing to spend frigid 
uh, hours of the night or wee hours of the morning outside a store with the hopes mm -hmm. of acquiring material things. Mm -hmm. And you know, the only way you can acquire material things is by the material aspect of money. So treasure can definitely have that component of um, the money. And Jesus, like you said in verse 24, does speak of that. Um, so as Christians, um, John, how are we to relate to money? Uh, how can we relate to that and guard ourselves from not making that a treasure that is earthbound? Well, I think, you know, you, you bring up this point that, and really this is what Jesus is uh, breaking this all down to. You know, ultimately you have... You have two options. It really does seem like we have two options. We can have our treasures in heaven, mm -hmm. and and as you said, you know, as Christians, how can we relate to this? Well, there's two. There, there's the flip side of that too. If you're not a Christian, then what do you have? And it is uh, self. Uh, taking care of self. What's the word I want there? Uh, Self-preservation. Self-preservation. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Self-preservation. I mean, those really are your two options. If you don't have hope, if you don't have that, you know, uh, heaven in mind, then there is the other option, which is self-preservation. And that is what he's talking about. And that is the trap that we, that we do get into. I think I brought this up last week. You know, it's always bugged me in the creation story that animals and humans were made on the same day. I just feel like humans are so special, we should get our own day. But I, the more that I, you know, the more that I'm going through scripture, it seems like there's, there's a reason for that. Because we do go by instinct if we don't think our way through. Yeah. And with God, he offers wisdom, he offers morality. Ethics. You know, ethics, exactly. Again, the lion doesn't go to look at the gazelle and go, well, I'm mighty. The population is dwindling. Let's yeah. give them a break. Let's, you know? let's, not, let's not go after them, but human beings do that. And when we get rid of Christ in our lives, when we've mm -hmm. made that decision, we go back to instinct. And so money can be used instinctively for self-preservation. And as I'm listening to you, I'm realizing you know, we, we do have those two options. And I'm thinking of, well, I'm not a wealthy person. I won't think I'm a wealthy person, but I do have money. Right. And how I sometimes relate to it, I think speaks to that same attitude. And so you don't have to be uber wealthy, but sometimes the uber wealthy accentuates those things. And so I think about, you know, individuals that have more than one home, multiple possessions, earthly possessions. And this idea of self-preservation, um, Jesus does something powerful here. He, in verse 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And I just realized that he tells us, don't put your treasure here on earth for one reason. Number one, it can get spoiled with moth or rust. Mm -hmm. Or number two, it can get stolen. And it, it, it dawned on me. If that's what happens to the treasure, and my heart is where my treasure is, if someone still, I guess that's the, the vacuum cleaner. There's either a vacuum or an airplane or maybe a train going through. I don't know. Or maybe a really big vacuum cleaner. So anyways, we, we, we have, you know, sound effects to kind of keep you engaged. Right. <laughs> Arrest your attention. What is that? So now it's, it's, it's strategy, you know, it's, it's all unintentionally. Um, Jesus links treasure with the heart. Mm. And John is, is, is simple. If someone steals my treasure, what have they also stolen with it? Oh, they've stolen a little piece of you, haven't they? Yeah, my heart. Mm -hmm. if, if I'm all about self-preservation through material possessions, I'm gonna die. And so my material possessions will fail me, and ultimately I will find myself with a heart that has been stolen by things that 
really could not deliver. Um, Jesus calls Satan a, a thief and a robber. Mm. I am the good shepherd, but then there's the enemy, the adversary, and he doesn't come anything except to kill, steal, and destroy. And Satan tries to steal our hearts first because then he places our treasures on things that are worthless and mm -hmm. things that, you know, the book of Ecclesiastes and other uh, verses of the Bible, Jesus himself asked the question, what, will, what profits a man, using financial language, what will profit you if you were to gain the whole world, mm -hmm. which in, in itself is an impossibility, but let's say you could gain the whole world, but you lose your soul. Right. What can you give in exchange for it? Mm -hmm. What can you give in exchange for life? And you see that the people that with extreme wealth fight that. You know, as they begin to realize their mortality, they begin to invest in energies of you know genetic manipulation. Can we get our genes somehow and and cryogenics where you know freeze me mm -hmm. and maintain me? You know, I'm going to use my billions of dollars to somehow preserve me so that in the future, should they develop a way to um, take care of cancers or whatever. I can be resurrected right, and right. then I can have life again. That's without God. Mm -hmm. That's life without God and that's the option, instinct, self-preservation. I need to keep myself alive. Whereas God says, you know, you need to guard your heart because being alive is only half the blessing. But if you are still, if you were to still, if you were to find a way to stay alive and not have to face death, but you were a selfish jerk. Mm-hmm. You know, what would that experience be like if you were all about self-centeredness and pride and cutthroat? What the, what's the point of that kind of an existence? Mm -hmm. You know, it's miserable existence. You're miserable and you, you get joy in making other people miserable, exploiting the poor, etc. So Jesus is not simply uh, wanting us to focus on self-preservation, but moral living. Absolutely. Compassionate, ethical living in which I want righteousness. And one of the words that righteousness can be translated into is justice, mm -hmm. in which I want to see uh, justice being done for the poor as much as, as it is possible. And definitely, I mean, when Jesus introduces himself in the Gospel of Luke, he, what, some of the prophetic fulfillment was that he would preach the gospel to the poor, implying that the poor were not having, only the rich were being presented with spiritual um, blessings and spiritual attainment, mm -hmm. and the poor were disregarded. Right. So Jesus wants to bring equity in regards to the experience of humanity. And if, we, if you've been blessed with means, how can I use those means to be a blessing to those that do not have? Mm -hmm. and in the end, that's treasure that is placed in heaven. I mean, it's not about you know shooting my money up into the sky and, and putting it out in the moon or mercury. Um, that's not a literal application. What does it mean to have your treasure placed in heaven? For me, is investing in things that will outlive this planet. Right. So what you're you're bringing up a good point where you know a lot of times when we read scripture we think uh, we almost feel comfortable because most of us wouldn't consider ourselves rich, right? <laughs> yes. So most of us sit there and we're kind of comfortable. This is for the rich people that, mm -hmm. um, you know, they have all the means that you're talking about. And look at those poor, we actually think in our heads, look at those poor rich people that, you know, they have all those problems. But um, what this is, what you're bringing out is, uh, number one, a lot of us are richer than we think. That's number one. Number two is that we can still have these idols even when we are uh, maybe not so financially uh, safe yeah. as, 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 as a billionaire. Now, that does bring us to one, uh, uh, one thought. You know, uh, I, had a, I had a buddy who has, who's, who has since passed, but he used to call it the, the insanity of sin. Mm. You know, 
I don't think the billionaires of the world, and not all billionaires are evil. I don't want that yeah, to yeah, sound yeah, that yeah. way. But uh, uh, I don't think they started off with an idol or a uh, their treasure on heaven, or I mean on, on the earth. You know, we all start off with this good intentions, I believe. Yes, there are some sociopaths out there who do not. But for the most part, people start off thinking that they're good, right? Mm -hmm. And that they didn't put an idol in front of them. But what ends up happening over time is that uh, that idol becomes our, our goal, whatever it might be. And again, it may not be finances. It may be the opposite sex. It may be, uh, you know, we were talking about it earlier, entertainment. And, and you brought up a great point. It may just be our time mm -hmm. that is our idol, right? And we'll, we'll discuss all of those things, I'm sure. But the point is, is you know, I have, um, I'm at that age where I'm seeing uh, where people are really putting their idols where, or their treasure, where they're really putting their treasure. As our, as our parents are getting older, we're starting to see what is important to them. Mm. And if your parents are are in the church that might be different but you know my mine aren't and so uh really seeing this pl being played out uh my family's not rich by any means but they do they're doing okay you know my, my parents are doing okay my in-laws are doing okay uh, you know it doesn't necessarily have to be i'm not pinpointing one person my point is is that through life, we have seen what is important to them. And now that they're reaching their immortality, it's become tenfold. Mm. And um, and it has become, in, in their cases, you know, it is a uh, either the, the possessions, their house, or their, their 401k, or their, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, that's what's most important. Meanwhile, as their health is dwindling, that's what they're worried about. Mm. And the they can even say, I'm sure every parent has said this, well, you know, I want you to have it when I'm gone. That's what they'll even say. They'll even reconcile themselves with that. But I don't think that's really true. Really what they're, it is their worry. It has become their treasure. And now, um, if these people do not have the hope of Christ, they, um, they're realizing that all of this treasure that they've built up for themselves is fleeting. Mm -hmm. It is fleeting. And by the way, that, sanity, that insanity continues because when they do pass, we've all seen how funerals are the greatest places to be, right? Hmm. Families get along, nobody's fighting. No, the, 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 the insanity continues because now people are going after those treasures right mm -hmm. so it just continues and it continues so the same can be said for the billionaire i think we've all asked ourselves when we when we see a billionaire what motivates them to go for the second billion right uh why do they keep going like you're saying you know they're they they put money aside to for cryogenics almost to be resurrected again and it's like why how much we've all asked this question how much money do they really need? How much power do they really need? You know, when we see billionaires today, they've taken care of probably their kids and their kids. <laughs> yes. So what are their they? Their houses are probably paid for. Exactly. Too. So what what motivates them? Why do they continue to go after more and more then? And it is this this sin problem. It mm. is this is the treasure. This is 
it's almost like, you know, again, I, I refer to the matrix and at this point, that's an old movie, so I don't even know if people even know what I'm talking about. But it's like they cannot see that past. That's motion type. You know, right. Type <laughs> They're going to have to remake them uh, at this point. But it's this idea that you can't see past tomorrow. You know, you're talking about you know what motivates them. One of our elders at Monroe had their house broken into. Mm-hmm. And one of the advice that the insurance company said is, um, go to every pawn shop in the area and look for your stuff. Oh, wow. And she found most of her stuff. And she's there haggling, <laughs> trying to buy her stuff back again because mm-hmm. she knows it's hers. And the, the insurance company said, you know, you give us the receipt for whatever you, you paid for that and we'll reimburse you for that. And if you want your original things. You, you may want, you know, there's emotional attachment to these things. And what Jesus says, you know, thieves will steal your stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you had your heart attached to that, they're not just stealing your possessions, they're stealing your heart. And jobs mm. can steal your heart. Right. You know, possessions can steal your heart. So that way you're always chasing, you're always going to the, the pawn shops of sin to hopefully find your heart again. Mm-hmm. But you don't find it, you, you will never be able to get it back again until you actually invest it in somewhere where the thief will not come and steal, which is Jesus. Satan will always steal your heart and right. with it, everything else. And in the end, you will find yourself, even with a house paid for, even with you know a nice 401k or whatever, but you're still gonna die. And all those things will prove useless and pointless when you're now buying a really expensive you know casket i have to you know we always try to protect the innocent if you will here but this is i i have to share this um you know my father-in-law has a lot of uh, health problems my father-in-law right now as we are recording this is in the hospital with kidney failure Mm. and um uh urinary tract infection kidney failure uh a lot of issues and when I leave here today, I have to go to his house. And the reason I have to go to his house is he's left his checkbook out on a desk somewhere and is convinced that a thief is going to come in and steal that checkbook. Mm. And as he has all of these issues going on, his treasure is all he can think about. Mm. And, and, and again, I don't want to call anybody out, but I think I have to because it really puts into a home what yeah, we're talking tangible. about here. Yeah. You know, you, you said that and it triggered me. This past weekend at Monroe, we had a series done by Voice of Prophecy called um, Shadow Empire. And it focuses on Constantine and the transition. It happened from Christianity uh, being del- guided by the Lord, being persecuted to Christianity and Rome blending mm-hmm. together. And you said that, you know, he's concerned about a thief breaking into his house and stealing his checkbook. Christians during that era lost their homes lost their jobs, lost their social statuses, lost everything, but they didn't lose their hearts. Mm, mm-hmm. And they were not terrified of someone coming and repossessing their possessions simply because they now chose to believe in Jesus Christ. So you can experience material losses and yet not experience a loss of self, yet you can obsess about material possessions and in the end realize that you've lost yourself in the process Mm -hmm. so self-preservation the madness of sin is that just like jesus says you find your life when you actually lose it for my sake right he who loses his life for my sake and the kingdom will actually end up finding it so self-preservation um your treasure your heart the moment you attach it to any material things down here 
you are in the process of losing yourself. Mm -hmm. And the, the fear of losing those things will actually come down to you losing yourself because you've attached yourself to things you can't keep anyways. Right. But when you attach yourself and your treasures to things that uh, are guarded by the Lord, by His promises, by His covenant, then you have security in that these things are no longer your worrying. You no, you no longer uh, keep yourself up at night thinking about your retirement, thinking about your home mortgage. Right now, I just drove to church and I saw all these homes, brother, and it broke my heart, you know, <laughs> swimming pools in their yards. Right. And I'm thinking, man, I, I wonder what their basements look like mm -hmm. and all these other concerns. And it's not that you, you're, you know, going la, 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 I don't, get, I don't worry about it, but I trust. I trust that somehow God will take care of me. I somehow believe that the Lord will provide. And I lean, I trust in the Lord because I've, in, I've, I've invested not just simply money, and we can maybe transition now, yeah. John, into the, the treasure that I feel, and you, you've we've talked about this, that's the real deal here. You know, money, houses, and all those things, I believe, do have a place in treasure. But there's a higher commodity here in the West that um, church attendance is showing where that treasure is being invested. Church involvement is showing where that treasure is being invested. And that's the treasure of time. Right. I think the biggest commodity, especially here in the United States, is time investment. Mm -hmm. And where we invest that time really speaks of where my heart is. Right. right. Because like, like I said, you know, I, uh, a pastor, um, Pastor Imonier's father, um, in Pennsylvania said, you know, sometimes people, he was speaking in the context of evangelistic series. They we're just gonna have, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, we were just gonna have a big evangelistic series through an evangelist, um, Brian McMahon from Amazing Facts. And he said, you know, yes, we do need your financial support because we need to do flyers and, you know, Bibles and Bible studies and handouts. But he said, um, just because you give financially does not excuse you from not being here every night and supporting the evangelist. And does not excuse you from connecting with these brand new Christians that are leaving loving Christian communities that may believe different things. And now because of they heard their truth, they're detaching from those churches and coming to here. And what will they find here? Individuals that are willing to give off their time. Mm -hmm. Don't feel that just because you give in church your money, that that now makes up for your time. Your time really is the greatest commodity. And if your time is invested in the church, the financial aspect will follow as well. Um, we cannot equate, I'm a good, a faithful tithe giver and, and you know, I give to church budget or whatever, duty completed. The biggest commodity, the biggest revelation of where my treasure is, is where I invest my time. It's true, and, and, and on the, you know, again, exactly what you're saying. If we ask ourselves those questions, you know, again, we talked about it earlier where most of us aren't worried about, um, and I say most of us, I mean Christians, aren't worried about, well, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, the, the, uh, the, the prize is uh, the billionaire status. That's not where most people are. No. But the, what you're bringing up is absolutely true. Then where is your time? What, where, where are you putting your and efforts? I, th I think for the poorer classes, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, us that don't have a yacht, you know, can't say for the weekend we're going to go to my private island. Um, I remember being a poor young teenager in the ghettos of Harrisburg, and I did have a window of escape from my reality. I did have a, a way of escaping that aspect, mm -hmm. and that was television. All right. Through the television, I could escape in another galaxy, into another time, you know, another world. And at least for two and a half hours, I, I could experience another life. Right. And so for me, that became 
were my treasuries. I invested my time in something that I thought would give me a great return of investment. But if you ask me, you know, okay, Ariel, you just watched Arnold Schwarzenegger's latest movie that was two and a half hours long, which is an average movie time, an hour and a half, two hours, uh, whatever it is. Um, you just invested willingly, happily, joyfully. Uh, how much time are you going to invest now in reading the Bible mm -hmm. or on your knees in prayer? And if I'm honest, I mean, I, and I'm being honest with you, John, it wasn't even two minutes that I would spend with the Lord at that time, if mm -hmm. any, you know, on a very inconsistent basis. So even though I wasn't a billionaire, I could honestly say that my treasure was not in heaven. We're hitting all those, uh, we're hitting our treasures, right? Yeah. Because when we get into these topics, people get, I don't know if the word's angry, but people get uncomfortable. I think it's conviction. Yeah, it is, it's because conviction. I remember feeling the conviction of when I would, I, sometimes the movies didn't do it enough. And of course, I started from watching one. This is way back in the ancient days where- You couldn't these binge watch? Called, were these things called dinosaurs <laughs> and blockbuster. Right. <laughs> Almost side by side. We actually had to pay for every movie that right. you watch. And you we had to write our days. dinosaur to blockbuster <laughs> first. And then, yeah. Uh, and you only had like a couple of days to watch Get them. Get a membership card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of a certain age. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. So I, I would spend, literally, John, I didn't have, I, I would begrudgingly give my tithe only, mm -hmm. no offerings, uh, telling the Lord, look how much I'm giving you on my paycheck. But I would never complain to Blockbuster and say, what, $3 for the new release? Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, I'm so glad I was able to come right after sundown and make it in time before, you know, all the new releases were taken of this new movie that I've been hoping to watch. And by the way, I'm going to take five others mm -hmm. with me. And so I would binge watch even before binge watching was, you know, a, thing, a huh? word. Um, but at the end, you know, it would be Sunday morning around three o'clock in the morning and I had finished watching the last one. And, you know, I felt sadder than I was before I watched it because I don't have anything else to watch. Mm -hmm. The high is gone. It's like a drug. And I find myself that I'm still this illegal kid living in the ghetto of Pennsylvania with no hope and no future. Mm -hmm. But my heart's been stolen. I've invested my heart. I've invested my time in that which robbed me. Mm -hmm. it's, it took from me. Instead of investing in the one that can keep my heart, can protect me and give me a future and a hope, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to do you good, plans to give you a future and a hope. Um, when that became a reality, I no longer needed those superficial things to give my life meaning and purpose and a respite if anything, I began to feel like, man, life is so exciting and adventurous and serving the Lord is the most exciting thing you can have. You don't need to go overseas for it. You just need to start sharing, sharing Jesus with your friends and family members and watching God work in their lives and God work in your life. That is the most exciting thing for any human being to experience because it's real life. It's not someone pretending to have, you know, lasers coming out of their eyes or super strength or whatever. What I used to need to feel, you know, excited and happy about life. Now here's something real and tangible in which I'm seeing a savior, not a hero, work in my life and in the life of others. But that has a price. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus, there's treasure. You have to put your treasure um, where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. And I told you that in the Sabbath school quarterly for this week, they always put the only white quotes at the end. It says, keeping the heart in heaven. Um, it's from... Um, the SDA Bible Commentary, Volume 3, page 1, 1157, which I'm pretty much guessing is from this verse. It says, Christians should be careful that they keep the heart with all diligence. They should cultivate a love for meditation, 
you know, just today's societies, you know, cultivate a love for meditation. I find myself fighting the, the, the urge to check my emails, check a text message, check yeah. what's, what's up, you know, if someone posts something. And I see everybody else around me um, being encouraged to not meditate, to not spend time thinking. But it says here, they should cultivate a love for meditation and cherish a spirit of devotion. Many seem to begrudge moments spent in meditation and the searching of the scriptures and prayer as though the time thus occupied was time that was lost, mm. a, a loss of investment. Like, why should I invest in these things when in reality, I'm not going to get much out of it? And that's, that's what we're going to get into in the next episode when we talk about the eye. If the eye is good, then it's full of light. But if the eye is bad, then it's full of darkness. How do I see and how can I get an eye checkup and mm -hmm. a, maybe eye transplant. But as we conclude, uh, maybe we should affirm people that they've invested their time listening to this mm -hmm. and invite individuals to invest time in their personal devotions. And for our own selves, John, you know, we can say, well, today I have to do this with my family and I have to do that. I don't have time for you, Lord. Whenever I say those things, I need to catch myself. That's the language of my treasure is, is, is where I, it shouldn't be. Um, and I'm, my heart is not focused in where it should be focused. The biggest investment, John, that you and I can make is in prayer, spending time with the Lord, and in the Word. You will never find yourself regretting that you've opened God's Word and read and allowed yourself the time to digest, to meditate on what you've read and prayerfully present that to the Lord. That is the one investment you will never lose, you will never regret, you will always gain.